that's a lesson to all of you out there. If you have a chance to live life, live it. Before you know it, everything could be taken away from you. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Insiders Podcast. This is your host, Stully, and tonight we have a extremely special episode. The one, the only, the incredible Mr. MJ Michael Govier. What's up, brother? What up? Hey, everybody. It's a pleasure to be aboard the Fantasy Insider Show. It's been a long time coming. I've been looking forward to this one for a minute, and I got to tell you, it's a, it's a special thing when somebody gives you their time. And they say, hey, why don't you come talk to us? I don't take that lightly, and I have a lot of respect for the invite. So I want to say thank you to Stully for giving me the invite. Shout out to Micah Henry as well. Uh, I'm a big fan of his for a long time, and now I'm getting to know John as well. So this is a cool experience for me, and I am glad to be aboard. How am I supposed to follow up that? Thank you. Just keep you. talking. John. I, was, I just <laughs> want to thank you for coming on to my show, bro. It's an honor to have you. Honestly. Oh, hey, I've, I've been down and I've been in some low places. So when life's good, I'm going to take advantage of it. So I'm grateful to be here, man. Thank you. <laughs> Anytime. And we'll do a show when Mike is available, too, because we have to for sure, bro. Yeah, we had him on Palazzo last fall, and it was great getting a chance to put a, a voice and a personality to all the tweets I read. His knowledge is deep, and mm-hmm. I think he's really a... Uh, Really an underrated gem in the community. And I think he's starting to get a little bit more hype this year because people are starting to take notice. So uh, I'm happy for him. I really am. Yeah, me too, bro. For sure. I got him right before he took off on his peak. <laughs> yeah, that's the perfect time to grab some coattails, man. Woo! <laughs> no, honestly, I love the guy. Uh, like you said, you could actually hear the knowledge as he speaks. Uh, that's one thing I like about him. And as we do podcasts, I literally learn from him on air. Um, it's no joke here. Yeah, I plan on doing that from you, too. So teach me some things, please. Oh, boy. Well, we'll see about that, my friend. But, hey, you know, you never know what one will learn when you start to engage with somebody. You communicate. You could take away, like you said before we started the show, you know, you learn something new on Twitter every day even. So who's to say what you'll learn from this conversation? That's true. Facts. All facts. <laughs> All right, so I just wanted to let the people know who you are exactly. Um, you are one of the co-owners of Roto Fanatic. You are the host of Hey, It's Enrico Palazzo podcast, which I want to talk to you about in a second because <laughs> it's a great name. Jumps off the screen. Thank you. Uh, you're also the host of the First Day Pod and the Cinema Nine Pod. That's correct. Yeah. though The Cinema Nine Podcast is a movie pod. Although you made a funny point earlier that you thought it might be about baseball because it has the number nine in it, which is something I'd never considered. And we've done 44 episodes, so that's the first time someone's brought that up. That means you're deep thinker, Billy. <laughs> that's you, baby. Or I should have done more research and listened to an episode. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to take the high road, but hey, who cares? <laughs> I and was in the end, listening to a... your other ones, bro. <laughs> It's a movie pod. It's just a me and two old friends talking about movies. And usually each week we take a movie mm-hmm. that is usually five years or older because we are main segment is called 
does it hold up? So that's like the main portion of the show. We, we give you guys reviews and uh, film suggestions, and then we break down a movie each week in great detail for about 15 minutes or so and find out if it holds up. And sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But I'm much more, much more passionate about the first day pod because that's about mental health and addiction and things that affect all of us in our lives. So I do that with my girlfriend, who's Canadian. So... She's a wonderful, beautiful and intelligent and thoughtful and very caring. She represents Canada to the to the best of Canada's abilities quite well. And that that podcast is special because it touches on things that, you know, are personal to me and to her and to other people who sometimes are afraid to touch or reach out to other people. The podcast sometimes engages with people and gets them to connect. And that's the goal. And, you know, all jokes aside, and we have a good time. I have a lot of fun. You listen to my Palazzo podcast, like you said. I'm a total bozo. I I love to have a good time and crack jokes. But I also get serious and want to help and connect and learn and grow. And I think you can do all those things at once. So that's why why the First Day Pod is very cool. So if you guys are interested in any of that type of stuff, you want to know more beyond baseball, First Day Pod on Twitter and all the standard social medias and uh, podcast platforms. That's right. And you can follow Michael at MJ Govier. That's G-O-V-I-E-R. Just in case you wanted to know. Very nice. Well done. That's right. I, I should have said it at the beginning, but here yeah, we are. I, think it, I think it worked <laughs> out. Uh, the whole thing laid out. Yeah. You, you also said it correctly. You know, my father always said that we were Goviers and my mom said we were Goviers and yeah, that's why they both got divorced. <laughs> no, that's that's that would be the most petty reason to get a divorce. The truth is, you could say it however you want. You can call me Mikey, Miguel, Mikhail, mm. Mickey. I don't give a rat's ass what you call me, but uh, what about me? Just let me know that you want to hang out. That's all I care about. You can call me Butthead. <laughs> what about Funky Butt Loving? Funky Butt Loving. You know I. It's so glad you brought that up the other day because I, I went and downloaded uh, the, the drop for it. And now it's going to yeah. be a main part of the Palazzo show going forward. So thank no you. Way. I owe you a kudos on that one, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's no problem. One of my all-time favorite movies. And I have a question. Does that movie hold up? You know, um, I don't think it does, but that doesn't matter. It, a movie cannot hold up and it can still be a classic and fun. It's still funny and stupid and silly and out of this world. It doesn't hold up necessarily today, but especially with the way baseball's changed, <laughs> I think if you really want to break it down, but I don't care. There's a lot of movies that don't hold up that I still like a lot. So I say, who cares? Yeah, it's just one of those classic, I don't know. It's just, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like, it makes me feel at home when I watch it. Exactly. That's what yeah. movies do. Movies bring a comfort there's certain films That's even like we were talking about before adam sandler movies uh, like happy gilmore and billy madison those were comfort yeah. movies i watched when i was younger mm-hmm. i still do because they just they're just on and i just relax and chill out on a sunday or something and it makes me feel good for sure bro if it's on the tv and you're not gonna just pass by it you gotta watch for at least five minutes <laughs> just yeah, no uh, argument here no and then maybe you watch longer most likely you do but for five minutes check it out why not <laughs> no doubt so you're a Tigers fan? Yeah, I would say that's fair. I'm born and raised a Tigers fan. You know, I'm born and raised a Michigander, so it just comes with the territory. I've lived in many other parts of the United States over the years, but I'm back in the Detroit area, and right. uh, we're looking 
We're looking at signing Renato Nunez today. That's the big Tiger that. news. Whoa, yeah. boy. Wow. And I heard it was a minor league deal. Yeah, it's not official as far as I know, but yes, it was a minor league deal offered. And it brought up a fun fact, which I got from a guy other people should know too. So uh, Roger Castillo, Rogelio Castillo is actually his name, but you can follow him on Twitter at Rogcast. He's a great, great insider when it comes to Tigers and fantasy. He works at MotorCityBengals.com and Detroit Sports Radio. He's a really good dude. I want people to know him. He had this tidbit on his last episode that there hadn't been a home run hitter on the Tigers, who had hit 30 home runs since 2016. Oh, wow. Which seems like a while. And this, it Can seems I like 30 home runs is not that hard to do. Yeah, go ahead. Guess who it is. Uh, was it Prince Fielder? No, Prince uh, was definitely gone, at least on the Rangers, and borderline retired by then. So. Oh, okay. I've lost track of time. <laughs> <laughs> 2016. Was it Castellano? Nope, that's a good guess, though. One more guess. All right, all right, all right. I got to go with Miguel Cabrera. There you go. There you go. When all else fails, go Miguel Cabrera. He hit 38, 38 that year. Was that a triple crown year? No, that was uh, 2012, which was okay. an incredible, incredible run. But, yeah, that's the last time any Tiger hit 30 home runs. And he had 38 bombs. So it shows you five years ago the power was still there for Miguel, but those days, those days are kind of gone. Although, if he can stay healthy this year, I kind of like him. As like a deep, deep yeah, utility, if he's first base eligible in any leagues that you play in, maybe take mm-hmm. a shot on him as a flyer in uh, deep drafts. That's a good point, actually. Me and Micah were discussing that, or Micah and I, about how much I don't like drafting utility-only players because I seem to be leaving every draft with Jordano Alvarez or your Jordano <laughs> Alvarez. And really? I, it kills me. Like, I love the dude. He's an amazing player. He's I'm going to... Love his stats. Uh, the thing I'm not going to like is when I have COVID issues and I need to move guys around. Mm-hmm. That's going to hurt where you can move him from the bench to utility, and that's it. Okay, um, I can respect what, that. What are your thoughts on utility-only players since we're on the subject? Yeah, that's a tough one. You know, like I said, I'm one of the uh, co-runners of rotofanatic.com, and we post our rankings, which you could check out on rotofanatic.com our rankings are all available and they're comparable with all the analysts like matt williams mm-hmm. and uh carme arano palmino mike carter a lot of great dudes over there and mm-hmm. i was looking at my rankings and trying to figure out what to do with utility players alvarez stanton mm-hmm. uh fran mill reyes jd yeah jd is jd's adp is too high so i'm not going to take that especially because he's utility mm-hmm. and when you combine those two together, I'm not going to take that chance on a guy that is limited in his flexibility, especially if it's a draft and hold or a, a best ball where I'm looking for players that have more positional eligibility. It's not an absolute requirement, but I am more curious mm-hmm. and more desirable of those types of players. And JD's price is too high for me right now. I'm just not going to pay that. So mm-hmm. I have no interest in that, but I actually have interest in Giancarlo Stanton, who's being left for dead. Yeah, (laughs) that's a guy actually like as a utility. He's not going to be injured forever. He can be healthy. He's shown it in his career. The guy has hit 59 home runs in a season, and that wasn't even in Yankee Stadium. That was in Miami. So still only 31. 
Yeah. I, I, he's probably one of the guys in terms of a utility only guy I like the most because everyone else is sleeping on him and he always falls enough where the value starts to equate to where I can draft him at. I can't figure out that spot where I want him yet because I, I have zero shares. Um, maybe I'm one of those guys leaving him for dead. I don't know. I just, the risk and the utility only, like, I don't know, man. I, oh, the, I hear you. The, the guys that draft him, and if he does stay even, let's just say, 100 games, you're getting 30 home runs if he gets if he plays 100 games. Easy, you'll get 30 home runs. Bet. So at his ADP, you can't go wrong. I think it's worth it once he drops far enough. I took him in the Draft Champions podcast run by Zach Waxman, Battle of the Podcast Season 2, Utah, give me two. <laughs> I said that I would draft Stanton if he fell far enough, and he fell the 165 in that draft, and it was some really heavy hitters in this draft. You know, uh, Justin Mason, Batflip oh. Crazy, uh, guys that really know their stuff, John L., MLB Moving Averages, Matt Williams, these people are sharks, and they play to win money, a lot of them, and they're good analysts. And once Stanton fell to 165, I said, I'll take this. This is value to me because that's where the drop and the value get in line. It doesn't mm-hmm. happen to me at, like, 100 or 120, but once it gets down to 165, they start balancing out, you know? Yeah, for sure, because you don't want to mess up at pick 100. That's still a very valuable yeah. pick. At one, I agree. At 162, eh. You're no, you're looking at utility players anyways at that point, right? So it's a little more flexible. And everybody yeah. ripped on me too. Everybody gave me tons of shit, and they made all the you know they posted <laughs> course, ambulance so gifts and you know <laughs> someone call a medic, you know all that stuff. So whatever, I'll take it. I'll take the heat. And then if he's healthy, I'll have the last laugh. That's it, man. That's what I was getting at. Is like that could be a league winning pick. He has and if he's upside. not healthy, it won't be. <laughs> That's how it goes. But it won't be a league, a, a league losing pick at 162. I would, I would agree with that. Yeah, I don't. I think the risk is lower. I would agree. Yeah. But you can make mistakes and you can move on from them. But you can't have too many. Like if Stanton's a whiff, you can't have too many whiffs, even in the 150 to 250 range, because then you're going to start hurting your depth and your and the players who could break out in the lower levels. For sure. And another thing, one of my strategies, I don't like to block upside players that i plan on stashing and i feel like jumping in on a guy like jd you're forced to play him no matter what because you've drafted him so high so there's not a lot of room for you to take him out and switch in and out guys or else you're just killing yourself you wasted that pick and at that price you don't want to do that you're backing yourself into a corner basically again i would concur with that as well you are very wise, John. Very wise. <laughs> I'm just taking off your lead, bro. <laughs> no, come on, dude. Don't sell yourself short. You're running right, your right. own podcast. You know what's <laughs> up. Yeah, but when someone makes sense and it clicks in my head, I'm just I just run with it. So you you started the point and I just took it. You handed me the ball and I ran it through the end zone. How about that? Yeah, that's how we come to better understanding about fantasy overall, man. We have these conversations and maybe a revelation or two gets us home. Makes us feel good. That's right. And it does. When you complete a sentence, buddy, there's no greater feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say when you complete a sentence? 
Yeah, but I mentioned it a different <laughs> way than it sounded. <laughs> I hey, whatever, like, man. I bet you, like, when you're on a thought and everything comes together as a perfect sentence, and it's like, mm. yeah, that's what I meant to say. Boom. I hear you. Okay, I understand. That's <laughs> rock and roll, brother. I'm with you all day. All right, so fun fact, Michael. Uh, I used to be a Tigers fan. My dad, since I was born, pretty much raised me as a Tigers fan. Um, so... I have a question for you. Who was your favorite Tigers player when you were growing up? Uh, for me, it's a no-brainer. It was Lou Whitaker. I loved Lou. Sweet Lou. I loved the way he would flip his bat in his wind-up as he got ready to take a pitch, and he kind of shimmied his butt a little bit. Not too much, just just a little bit. Not like Jack Parkman in Major League 2. But, <laughs> um, it's it's always going to be. Ichiro used to shake it a little bit. I saw oh, yeah, him, that's right, yeah. I saw him live at Comerica, actually. Nice. Um, that day was Jer Jurgens' debut. <laughs> Remember him? Man, there was... He I actually do. had his best run with the Atlanta for a minute there. He was like a legit starting pitcher. It was crazy. And then he just disappeared. And who came out of the pen? Joel Zamaya came out of the pen. <laughs> ah, Mr. Guitar Hero himself. Gosh, that's right. The crowd he was such a for him, bro. <laughs> Oh, dude, he was the king of kings because the Tigers came out of nowhere in 06 and went to the World Series, and he was a huge part of that. He had one great year in his life, 2006, professional baseball-wise. That was it, man. I'm glad that he at least had one, that he could hang his hat on and always look back, but it all fell apart because of injuries from there. And, and, and in the end, Sweet Lou is a guy I just liked imitating. I liked watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the fact that he was a second baseman. I I was a big second base guy. You know, when I play baseball, I always want to play second base and, mm-hmm. and I played second base. So yeah, it was always going to be sweet Lou for me and Cecil Fielder would be a runner up yeah. because he was a power hitter of the 50 home run caliber when it wasn't a typical thing to do back then. You know, when he hit 51 in 1990, George Foster hadn't hit. He was the last guy to hit 50 before him. And that was in 1977. So 13 year gap between 50 year, home run hitters mm-hmm. and Cecil so Fielder. Yeah. Cecil Fielder. He basically gave a teaser and a preview of, of the ridiculousness that was to come in the later part of the nineties with the home runs. But mm-hmm. that was legit. He wasn't a roids guys. Cecil was a former blue Jay. Cecil was a blue Jay. Didn't hit for a ton of power, goes to Japan, learns how to hit for power, then comes back and becomes this monster stud for the tigers. And for the first half of the nineties, he was one of the most feared, power hitters in baseball he was for sure yeah no and he was gonna be my answer um oh really okay he was one of my first words actually <laughs> nice him, yeah i called him CISO. <laughs> Dude, i used to call him Cecil too when i had his baseball card the yeah. 1987 tops with the wood trim it was a blue jay and that was the first time i'd ever heard of him and i i thought it was cecil i really did and then mm-hmm. i learned it was cecil yeah and he had a son named prince who would grow up to hate him so <laughs> That's a story for another podcast, bro. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. All right. So let's get into the meat. Of, well, no, not the meat of the episode, but let's explain what actually we're going to be talking about today. Um, it's this format on the NFBC, which is the National Fantasy Baseball Championship. Um, the format is called the NFBC 50s. And basically what it is, is it consists of multiple leagues, each comprised of 12 teams each. 
uh, it was a $50 entry, hence FNFBC 50s. It's right in the name. <laughs> um, if you win first, 400 bucks. Second place, 100 bucks. Uh, it's a draft and hold. Uh, there's no trades. Categories are average, home runs, RBIs, stolen bases, and runs. And then for pitching, you got wins, saves. ERA, strikeouts, and whip, which is walks, plus hits divided by innings pitched. So, Michael, how many of these are you in, by chance? <laughs> well, let's see here, Stully. I've done two that I can recall. I'm in... I've done. Okay, so technically there's draft champions, which is a little different than an NFBC 50, but only because of like team size uh, draft champions leagues are 15 teams, two catcher leagues. And it's the same premise of everything else, you know, draft and hold, no trades, no fab, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm in two NFBC fifties as of now. Same. One done and one currently in progress. Same. Exactly. Hey! <laughs> all right. And I've drafted a few of the same guys on both teams just because I have my favorites. Um, I think I told you the one earlier was Jordan Alvarez. No fear on the knees, huh? Or the knee. I would have more fear if I drafted him higher. Uh, I took him in the seventh round in both drafts, actually, which is kind of crazy because I had different picks. The first one I was in, I had... Um, the 11th pick and the second one, I have the seventh pick, but I mean, with, with Alvarez, what I'm hoping for is high average, lots of home runs, RBIs runs. It's not going to give me many steals. Um, I'm hoping that along the way, actually, I'm not sure. Do you know if they can change positions if they play a certain amount of games as the season goes on? Uh, yes, a position will be added. I mean, based on playing in NFBC last year in other formats, once they get the eligibility, the okay. position should be added. Uh, right. I could be wrong, though. I mean, this is this is only my second year playing on NFBC, so okay. I was not some legend of the websites. I want okay. that to be clear. I grew up on <laughs> Yahoo, man, the garbage of garbage. So I'm still I'm on four leagues on Yahoo still. Home yeah, I, my home league is still on Yahoo. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I don't I don't uh, shame people. You can play wherever you want to play, whenever you want to play. Mm-hmm. But I do admit that Yahoo is, it kind of is like where the amateurs start. And then you progress to like NFBC if you really want to put a bunch of money in playing super elite high stakes leagues. We're generally the best of the best play. Now, I am not one of those people. It's just what the the reputation is. Right. Yeah, I understand that. Uh, for me... I just, I wanted to play against the best of the best. So that's why I went to the NFPC. Um, along the way, I switched to fan tracks, but kept all the leagues along the way as well. Um, joined some best balls, uh, which I really started to love. Um, the more you do, the more creative you can get with it. I've done some crazy things. Like I took, I had a swing pick the one time and I took uh, Severino and Adley Rushman back to back. Hey, why not? <laughs> Catcher's yeah. a landmine. We'll get to it later in the show because oh this format is two catcher league, uh, which is kind of welcome great. to hell. Yeah, no, exactly. So I want to know how you attacked that, actually. Um, well, which let's jump right into it. Why not? Okay. 
So with catcher, yeah. uh, man, I think it's important to take a catcher between picks one and 200 that you can count on. And if you can do it, ideally, maybe take two catchers between picks 100 and 250. That'll be your starters. Mm-hmm. But a second option I've also done in other NFBC 50s is take a catcher in that range of like 150 or later, and then just take a catcher in the 300s, late 200s, that isn't highly touted, people are dismissive of, but could rise up to the occasion. Because with catcher, people get opportunities, there's a lot of injuries, and you never really know. It's it's a nightmare. It's a landmine galore. Like you said, there's so many little spots where you could find somebody who could be a gem when you weren't expecting it. And that's the key to catcher, in my opinion, is hitting on a guy that you could say, wow, hey, you know what? I took Tom Murphy, who's going like 334 ADP right now, and he was hurt all last year, but now he's going to play for Seattle every day and cash in, and he'll be a starter. So if I get a starter in that kind of range, that's great too. But I also believe in guys like Gary Sanchez, Will Smith of the Dodgers, that these are starters that could provide a little bit more than your typical catcher can. Mm -hmm. So I, I could do it those two ways, you know, go big in between one and 250 or go one in one and 250 and then go later on. Okay. So I got Gary Sanchez in the 15th round. Um, I agree with you hundred percent, bro. Uh, he is a guy after him. You literally see a drop. He's like, you're on the cliff. If you don't <laughs> take him, you're falling off. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> So you better have at least one, especially in a two-catcher league, mind you. Yeah. One of those guys has to be your one. And then after, fine, get your two. Get at least one guy that's going to do something. Um, Because if you don't, everybody else in this league has at least one. And now you're getting negative points and they're getting positive out of a position every game. Twice. (laughs) So, Jeez, yeah. One thing I will say about Seattle is watch out for this kid Torrens, um, the backup catcher. He can hit. Uh, he may get really? A, yeah, he may get a couple starts a week over there. I dug into him. He's not bad. What did you discover? You found something you liked? I have a page here. Hold on. Oh, I wasn't, wasn't going to bring him up, but since you brought up Tom Murphy, because I, I used to love Tom Murphy, man. When he was on Colorado, um, he had that average that I was always chasing and the core's advantage, right? Like... Ooh, okay, yeah. listen to this. Torrens, average versus fastball, 289 versus off-speed, 400. Um, his exit velocity was 93. Uh, his hard hit rate, 57.1, which is pretty good for a backup catcher, man. Oh, yeah. People, people are all over Stassi. Like, I'm over Max Stassi, too. So he's one of those guys you can get around to pick 300. Or how about Tiger's new catcher, Mr. Wilson Ramos? What do you think about him? Yeah, no, <laughs> I, see I don't think there's much left in the tank there, John. I took him. I, I took him in this one. You I did in in one of them. Yeah, I took him and I backed him up with Max Stassi, which I think is a, a very oh well. That's good, smart. Yeah, you got to back like if you're taking a guy like him, just to see if there's anything left. That's what I'm like. He, he hasn't been a starter in two years almost. So I don't even know if he's capable of being a, a, an everyday starter anymore. But who's the, who's the alternative? Grayson Griner? <laughs> I don't think so, bro. Well, they drafted a guy, but he's not going to be ready yet. You know, uh, Dingler? Dingler. Dingler from Ohio State. So. Dingler, yep. 
Yeah. So, but, but that's not a yeah, that's not a reality not either. Just, but Jake Rogers hangs around, but Jake Rogers never shows any offense. So yeah, you're right. But I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think Wilson Romine. Ramos probably is as good as anybody at this point. They should have just kept Romine. <laughs> he was a. Uh, He's sneaky at times. Some some weeks he could give you some good stuff. If you're in head-to-head leagues, there was occasions where Romine could be serviceable. Especially OBP leagues. I used to love Ryan Hannigan. Ah, Ryan Hannigan. I remember <laughs> one. Wow. Flashback. Red Sox. Yeah, that was good. Those are good times. It, man. He, and he wasn't bad on the Reds. Oh boy, man, we are getting deep in it. If oh, this is what you people catcher. tuned in for, we are deep in catcher right now. Deep, very, very deep. Okay, that's so, what you, uh, you know, that's what you come here for. You got Michael see. Govier, John Stully talking about the deepest catchers possible. Here's one that's kind of deep, but not so deep, but deep enough to where he he feels like a steal to me because he steals bases. It's Dalton Varsho, depending on the format. He's got catcher eligibility, and in this one, he does. So I actually jumped up to grab him for his steals. Um, and he's a guy that he probably ain't going to play that many games at catcher, to be honest with you, because they got Carson Kelly. But that's okay, because he's already got the eligibility, right? I don't care where he plays in real life. <laughs> As right. catcher, how many guys are going to get you more than 10 steals? Well, you know, there's been some talk, uh, loose talk, that Varsha will start in the minors this year and that he's not as ready to play as people might think. That's loose talk. That's Twitter speculation, and there's no guarantees on that. But it did it did slow my roll on Varsha a bit because I do think Carson Kelly is still a pretty solid catcher, and mm-hmm. I think in certain leagues, Varsha still has to get that catcher eligibility. He's the outfielder right now, depending on where you are. You guys are drafting him, right? But in NFBC 50s, is he catcher eligible yet? He is, because I have him. <laughs> Shit, I guess I missed that. Well, I'll, look at me. See, yeah, learning bro. something new today. I was in a best but, ball draft yeah. on fan tracks, and he was not I was just catcher eligible. And I think I was thinking of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I had him. I drafted him in a dynasty startup last year as my catcher of the future, and he's already lost catcher eligibility. <laughs> How about that? Isn't that weird? After 60 games. <laughs> Come 60 on. games. That's so bizarre, man. Damn. How much but I, how much stock are you putting into 2020? Sorry to cut you off. Oh, well, it, it's very case-by-case player, but I actually, on our show, the Hey! It's Enrico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast, which is part of the Rota Fanatic Podcast Network. <laughs> we have a siren that I press anytime the short sample size or the goofy 2020 season comes up. So. Yeah. It's become a tired routine. Oh, short sample size of 2020, but hey, I liked what I saw. I actually did a segment on a show recently that was called 2019 or 2020, where you chose which one you preferred for a specific player. And this is where it gets really goofy, man. Do you prefer (laughs) a certain 2020 season because it was more exciting and more optimistic for how you view a player, or was it because of something different? that 2019 was the real player. Like Max Scherzer is a good example. Last year he had some injuries and he had some injuries in 2019 too, where he was slowing down a little bit, but uh, he had a three, seven, four ERA in 2020. That was not the norm for him. So people are saying, Hey, I love what I saw in 2019. That's the guy we're going to get this year. Jerry pick your way if you want, but I, I take it case by case. I will not give you any universal absolutes about 2020 is blah, blah, blah. I think the only thing that could be made 
as an argument for a universal absolute about 2020, Stully, is mm -hmm. that the innings pitched are going to have an impact on 2021. There's clearly no doubt about that. But even that is still suspect, in my opinion, because everybody's got to play 162 games, at least on paper right now. And the front offices have no experience coming off a 60-game season going into a full season again. So it's not like they know any more than we do, which to make this point succinct now is that we're going to see radical things happen with pitchers that we haven't normally seen in recent years. And I'm talking about role changes, new roles being created. Uh, you know, there could be a 28 man roster as opposed to a 26 man roster where there's a, the taxi squad thing again, where players are nearby and shuffled up to fill gaps. It's just going to be a bizarre, bizarre situation. So be prepared with it comes to pitching mm. to expect anything. Yeah, no, especially when I look at a guy like Jack Flaherty, who barely got to throw anything last year. Uh, how many innings can you even expect out of him out of, in 2021? Like, maybe right. 100? How how hard? Like, who knows? <laughs> yeah, hey. I mean, he's their ace, so you would expect that they'd want to run him out there, but they also want to protect him long-term. But yeah. Yeah, this is why we... We can only predict and look at so much data and say, hey, well, this is what we can expect to happen based on the past or that we can have predictive stats that predict the future. But this is an unknown future for the first time. And that's why this is one of the most if you're a first time fantasy baseball player or you're somebody getting into the game of analysis on a greater scale for the first time, this is quite <laughs> quite a peculiar season to be choosing to do that. And uh, true. I guess I would include myself as one of those. I mean, I started doing this more publicly last year, but it's, it's a challenging time to get in this game when you combine 2020 and 2021. Yeah. I was just going through it with basketball because it oh. was, yeah, man. I mean, last year was insane. So how much could we take from it to go into this season? How much was real? Like, half the season didn't mean anything. So you got garbage time for half the season in football. Garbage time is what you want for fantasy points, but how real is it? We don't know. Um, so it's, I agree. Yeah. Like you case by case is probably the best way to put it. Um, so for me, what I try to do anyways, I don't want to completely ignore it, but what I do is I add 2019 in with it and take, averages so for example why i like max stassi um last year he was averaging like 0.23 home runs a game or something like that which translate over 400 at bats to something like 24 home runs over the season upcoming but if you go back and look at his career average it drops significantly and so what i did was then take the average in the middle of that to try and come up with a more realistic number that I thought was good. But then Kurt Suzuki signed with the Angels. So <laughs> yeah. now I got to take some at-bats away from Stassi, naturally, um, which messes everything else up. So I try not to think too deep into things. Um, he's got some pop. I like his hard hit rates. I like his his walk rate went up, his K rate went down. Those sort of things are what I'm looking at. Because I feel like that is a lot more uh, representative of real change than, I don't know, if a guy hit 260 over 60 games instead of his career 245 over 160. Because chances are in two more weeks, he's down under 250. <laughs> like, how real, is, how real is Randall Gritchick? I don't really know. Um, I'm not a fan. 
Yeah, he hit 270 for the first time in his life. So do we take like? And now he's got playing time concerns, and his ADP is way up there. Um, at the beginning of the draft season, I was in on him, but now I'm out. It changes so fast. Um, so case by case is literally the only thing that that makes any real sense uh, to, to to lump anyone into anything. Like I was saying about Chase fans, I'm not going to lump everything together. It's it's not smart. Um, I think you're a smart man, Stolly. You're very <laughs> wise. Look at you. Thanks, Look how bro. smart you are. That. <laughs> so who were your catchers, Michael? Who did you take in your NFBC 50s? Let's hear it. Uh, you don't want to know that, do you? I do. The nightmare. In the 13th, who was your first catcher in either one? You could pick the best one that you took. You know, the thing about catchers is that we, we talk about them over and over again because we're always trying to find the mystery. Try to unwrap a sweet little gem, a morsel, right? Like it's a, I don't know, like it's the holidays. And we're thinking, mm-hmm. hey, you know, this is going to be the time. This is going to be the opportunity where this catcher is going to be the one that makes my day. League winner. The truth is, it really <laughs> doesn't ever happen, man. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, but if you're going to force me to talk about it, then I will. But I'm doing this under protest, for the record, because talking about catchers is depressing. But it is part of the game. So my catchers are Gary Sanchez, just like you, buddy. How about that? And Adley Rushman were the first two catchers I took. I have the same two. Isn't that Um, weird? Yeah. And I didn't even know that before we came on here. So I know. I just blew your mind, man. Didn't I? Spider-Man gift going through right here. <laughs> oh, hey, 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 hey. Well, look, uh, the Rooshman pick was kind of out of the box for me. I wouldn't normally do that. But this remember, this is a 12-team league. NFBC 50s are 12-team leagues. Two right. catchers. And Gary Sanchez, I can lock in. I'm fine. I know what I'm going to get from him. I don't care what people are saying. Don't worry about what you saw. He only hit, what, like 147 or whatever it was. It was just some absurd awfulness. Forget 2020 with Sanchez. The guy crushes the ball. Even when he was awful last year in terms of making bad contact, when he made contact, he crushed the shit out of the ball. So he could still blast it out of the park, and he plays in a park that is very homer-friendly. So I don't have any fears about what Gary Sanchez will do. The only question is, you know, can the batting average get up a little bit? Because this Mm -hmm. is Roto 5 by 5 and that does matter. And if he's going to hit 200 or below... That does stink a little bit. I admit Mm -hmm. that. And I I think back to the days when he hit 278 in 2017. And that was in the most games he ever played. That was in 525 plate appearances. He hit 278, man. That's legit. I know. Yeah. But we haven't. It's clearly the outlier, though, because we haven't seen anything close to that since. The year after that season, I took, I'm pretty sure I drafted him in the third round. Oh, I bet you did. He was a keeper. He's been a keeper on my home league team for years because I just mm-hmm. love what he brought at catcher. This is my home league's head-to-head cats. So, yeah. you know, he could win you a week because he goes on these streaks. And I like to have players that go on tears and streaks, especially in head-to-head where you have to win the week. And, yeah, God, he's so good at that. But truth is, Gary Sanchez, give you power. What else could we get? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Will he get moved off of catcher eventually too? There's... Always the talk that he's not a very good catcher in the first place. And he's 28 years old now, and he's still a catcher. So there could be a lot that changes because he's going to be a free agent in a couple of years. Yeah. But they still have him locked in for the next two seasons. So, boy. I, I feel like that's why they drafted Austin Wells. 
Yeah, maybe. I mean, they like Kyle. He, he, he should. Oh, I'm going to get this wrong. I'm going to, I'm going to get the, anyway, I want to get this right and sound like a professional Kyle Higashioka. Thank you. Kyle wow. Higashioka. That was very Dan Shulman of you. Kyle Higashioka coming up next to the play betting 350. No, I'm just kidding. Look, the Rushman pick is the more bizarre pick because I took him at 31st round. Okay, so that's way deep. That's way down there. He was still available, and I figure if this guy does get called up in 2021 and gets to play every day, it's worth a shot. It's the 31st round for crying out loud, right? Mm-hmm. I took him in the 26th. Exactly. So it's not like we're burning ourselves no. by going for a catcher who we don't know if he'll play, but... At that point in the draft, you know, I'm 31 rounds in. I only have two catchers, Ooh. right? Yeah. And that's... <laughs> Tell me you got a third. Uh, okay, so yeah. <laughs> this is my point, though, is what I was talking about earlier with catcher strategy and saying, hey, maybe go in with two guys from 1 to 250 or between 1 and 200. That'll be your starters. Or take one in that range and then go later. And that's what I did here because I took Gary Sanchez... And then I just waited and waited on Rushman. And then I'm still not guaranteed I have two starters because Rushman is a super prospect for the Orioles, but still has not made his major league debut. Barely played. Yeah. So I've waited until the 42nd round, another 11 rounds before I selected Austin Hedges of Cleveland. (laughs) (laughs) Is that funny? You laughing at me? How dare you? I don't think I've ever heard Austin Hedges' day be drafted this draft season yet. It is no offense to you. It's no offense to you. I'm laughing because I just was not expecting the name. And because I've seen Roberto Perez get drafted a ton. Sure, sure. But, you know, Hedges is on the team. They traded for him in the deal last year that sent Clevenger to San Diego. Mm -hmm. And he could still hit for pop. And he's going to get some playing time. I know Perez is still the main guy, but I don't trust that he can stay healthy necessarily. So to me, this is a flyer. But two rounds later, I took another catcher. And this one I felt more comfortable in. It was Chance Cisco, who still is not the guaranteed starter. But Yeah. I watched some tape on Cisco recently. Um, he's got sneaky pop, actually. Uh, he's, I don't know. He kind of seems to take what the pitcher gives him and just does what he can with it. Doesn't try and do too much. It's a highly sometimes, sometimes it goes out. <laughs> yeah, he's a highly touted player, man. I I don't know what we can expect from him because the highly toutedness got delayed and nothing cool happened for a while. So people are like, well, I don't know what this guy's going to bring to the table anymore. But I know that he still has that talent. He can crush the ball. And he had a lot of problems defensively. That was the big issue. But if he could put that all together now, yeah, I think Pedro, Pedro Severino is actually kind of reliable, but I don't know if he'll last forever. Yeah, he kind of struggled near the end of last year, um, and that's when Cisco kind of did the opposite and started going up. Um, but, I mean, I have a question for you. With taking a guy like Sanchez, did you immediately after take a guy with a high average to cover him? Well, that's a great question. After I took Sanchez, my next couple of picks were Josh Bell, yeah. Not known for his attitude. I, I got some notes on Bill. Ooh, I bet you do. Uh, then I took Chris Bassett, a pitcher. Stefan Crichton, a, a closer. Tony Gonsolin, another pitcher. Crichton might be in trouble. 
Yeah, you know, I actually kind of like Ginkle in that pen in Arizona, too, and he doesn't get as talked about as enough. I think Ginkle's a guy who could actually close. Soria, I wouldn't worry about Soria. He's not going to be a factor, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. In terms of average, yeah, I kind of I kind of went on a pitching tear there. Six of the next seven picks after Bell were pitchers, and I only guy in between that was Nick Senzel of the Reds that I took. Are you throwing average? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we didn't, you know, we didn't start with the top of the draft. Jose Ramirez and Trevor Story, and yeah. Xander Bogarts. Okay, there we go. Uh, Cattell Marte. There we go. Yeah, Alex Verdugo. Mm-hmm. So. My boy, I love Verdugo. Great. Oh, last well, year I went average early. Last year I defended him when everyone was chirping the Sox trade. Yes, it was horrible. People, we traded Mookie Betts. Okay, no one's gonna be happy with the return. It's Mookie freaking Betts. <laughs> there's but, no coming back no there, you can't we offered him as much as we were going to he said no goodbye thanks for the prospects and letting us know so that you didn't leave for nothing you know what I mean so looking at it from a realist Alex Verdugo can hit he can run the dude peppers the wall and plays amazing defense as a I don't want to call him the centerpiece but he pretty much is the centerpiece of the deal this is what you build around He's already MLB ready. You don't have to wait for him to come through the system. Um, it's not like we traded Mookie Betts for Robinson Cano, who was aging, like the Kalenic deal, um, just to throw that out there. Mm-hmm. Or the uh, Austin Meadows and Tyler Glasnow for Chris Archer deal. Like, these are horrible deals. This deal, because the Sox got Jeter Downs as well, Uh they can build around these two guys. And Verdugo, when I started looking into him a little bit more, he's got a vicious swing, man. It's beautiful. He hits lefties better than righties, so he's not a platoon bat. Um, he is a Spanish player. Socks are loaded with Spanish players. The coach is Spanish. It's a perfect fit. He is absolutely fitting in perfect in Boston. Yeah, they hated him at first because they traded Mookie for him. So he's eventually warmed up fans. I liked him from day one, so I didn't need any warming up. But Verdugo's a great pick. He's going to carry your average, no doubt. And runs. He should be at the top of the lineup, hopefully. That's another thing, too. I want to take guys that I'm going to get the most at-bats from. It's a key aspect of what I'm doing. And in fact, in a recent draft that I'm doing tonight, I took Victor Reyes because I believe he's going to be hitting Love leadoff Victor for the Reyes. Tigers. Yep. So. Love Victor Reyes. And speed. Right. Yeah. And, and these are... Teams like the Tigers that stink, they're not going to be good, but it's okay. There's still going to be a guy who's going to get all the at bats. Someone has to play for them. And if Victor Reyes can get me 650 plate appearances at the top of the lineup, I like Castro. I'll take it. Castro's great. Yeah, that, uh, that's an interesting name you bring up because just today, this evening on Rota Fanatic Slack, we were talking about our uh, rankings mm-hmm. and. We're doing a series right now in Rota Fanatic. It's called High Low, where we take somebody who is high and somebody who is low on a particular player. Like uh, Whit Merrifield's the latest article we have out. You can check it out on rotafanatic.com. Uh, Paul Mamino takes the low. Carmarano takes the high on Whit Merrifield, and they go toe-to-toe on it. So okay. I was bringing up shortstops, which is the next position we're doing for that series, and Willie Castro's name came up. And I realized where I had ranked him, and it was pretty low. And I said 
in the Slack that I need to do some more investigations on Willie Castro because I'm not sure where I stand on Willie Castro as it is today, February 10th, 2021. Mm-hmm. He's going to bring average. Uh, anything else that comes with it, that's the question mark. Uh, we could be looking at another Jose Iglesias here. Oh, boy. That's not a, that's not a great he name to bring up. <laughs> Jose, yeah, Jose Iglesias impacted both uh, franchises and not a, uh, he's a real hot dog guy. Not much of a player, in my opinion, but hey. Remember that ball? He's on the, the uh, yeah, I do. Of course Angel. I do. Yeah. <laughs> but he's on the West Coast now. He's on the Angels. So people are saying, hey, maybe he'll be a nice contributor over there. I don't get that deal. Why didn't they just keep Simmons? Because Simmons doesn't stay healthy enough. Maybe. All right. Maybe. I, I, I That'd just be my best guess. Platinum glow. Whatever. The oh, yeah, is. yeah. Name the highest color. I don't even know what it is. Give it to him. <laughs> I agree. No argument here on that one. But uh, let's, Michael, let's go back to the start of your draft. Okay. So you said Ew. Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez, Xander Bogarts. Uh, Alex Verdugo, Kettle Marte. These are all five tool players for the most part. Um, Bogarts is so underrated. I don't understand why he doesn't. Yes. He's got to be the most underrated player in the league. Uh, I would make a fair case for that, yeah. I started a draft. Uh, have you heard of this relegation league that's going down? Yeah, I, I did hear about that. I don't know where I did, but I read about it and right. it seemed pretty cool. So I'm in analyst and readers and listeners and right. So in the main league, I think they got like uh, triple plays in there. Who was just on your show? Uh, Chris Clegg, uh, another guy on your show, uh, Mike Kerland. Um, I think Matt Williams is on there. It's loaded. Like uh, Eric Cross, I think, is in the MLB one too. And then I'm in the triple A one, um, which is going great. I started my draft with Story and Bogarts. That's how I started out. Which, okay. what is going on here? We're drafting the same teams. Well, for when it comes to, is it a, what type of format is it? That is a Roto, 15-team Roto. Okay, but it's not an FBC 50, though. No, it's got middle infield, corner infields, utility, five outfield spots. So for me, in those formats, I don't even look at position. The line, the roster is so deep. I just get the best player. Doesn't matter where they play. I worry about position later. And one of my main strategies, I target the multi-position guys. So on this one team, for example, back to back, I went Jeff McNeil and Tommy Edmond. Um, and now I have literally every position filled. Uh, I like to look for first baseman early on because they're giving you the best power with the best average, or at least they should. Uh, hypothetically, even though. Look at Matt Olson last year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's another combo for another day. I'm fading <laughs> Olson everywhere. Uh, oh. He's going too high for me. Um, the average can kill you. I'd rather do your plan with Gary Sanchez because at least he's in catcher. Um, and I'd, I'm actually fading first baseman if I don't get one in the first couple rounds until deeper. Um, and then going after like your Josh Bells, Jared Walsh. Um, who else did I get here? Uh, Candelero, Heimer Candelero from the Tigers. Sure. More Tigers. Listen, he, he, I looked under the hood. He had some good things going on last year. 
Um, he hit the ball really well. Uh, his exit velocity was highest of his career. Hard hit was highest of his career. I don't know. Candelero is very interesting to me. He was a huge prospect when the Tigers got him. I remember the day of that trade. Um, yeah, he was a he was a big time prospect for the Cubs. Uh, yeah. Not an overall like you know baseball America super stud, but yeah, he was one of their most one of their higher prized assets at the time. So uh, I have a. I actually drafted uh, Matt Olson, by the way. So where did you take him though? That's the question. I took him in round nine. Okay, that's perfect. that's good. I've seen him go as high as round six. Ooh. And yeah, no, I wouldn't do that. that. I'm out that high. Ninth round, fine. That's because again, like we talked about earlier on, once you get around to that 150 range, I'm in the anything goes. So now you're boosting your home runs. You should get RBIs runs. Yes. So that's fine. And then with all your average you already have, it's cool. He fits in. Hey, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I like Olsen because he's had spurts of incredible raw power. And yeah. yes, the average is a concern at times. But he's also much more reliable and average than maybe you're giving him credit for, in my opinion, because, you know, recency bias, what we saw last year. Sure, I can buy that. I understand that. I really think he's more of a 250 hitter at the very least. He got some bad breaks. You know, a little bit unlucky. His BABIP was really in the crapper last year, 227. Mm-hmm. A career 277 BABIP. So, you know, think about that. Maybe he got unlucky last year. This is a guy who happen. can... Sorry, I just said that could happen. <laughs> you get uh, <laughs> I want you to do a full 180 and say, I'm all in on Matt Olson. No, I'm just kidding. Here's Look. the thing. You said 250 at minimum? Yeah, I really, I think he's a 250 hitter at minimum. Yeah, in that case, I would be in. I think that's his maximum. Ah. So yeah. in that case, because like if he was minimum 250, then he could push for 270 maybe. But if he's 250 max, then he's could be 230 men, 220 men, or yeah, I could be recency bias under 200 men like he did this year. But, I think he's a 250 to 270 hitter. That's how I see him. So if he's in the 250 range. I'm in. Um, I just, maybe at that spot, I'm looking more at pitchers. I don't know. I just don't have any shares of him. Uh, but, hey, like I said, I learn something new every day. You just telling me right now that he could possibly hit 250, the next draft I do, and he's sitting there, I'm taking it. Hey, I take this from Carlos Marcano, who is a very smart dude, who wrote an article about Matt Olson for MVP in 2021. So, I actually did draft him while I was doing the podcast on, hey, it's Enrico Palazzo with Carlos. Yeah. And I did a tribute to Carlos on the show at that time by drafting Mandelson. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to do it, but he, I just liked him so much. And what he told me made a lot of sense that I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I believe in you, Carlos. So if I'm wrong, I'm going to blame him too. So that gives me some scapegoatability, which is nice. So I'm actually on the clock right now. So let's let's make a pick, Michael. Let's make a pick. Oh, shit, dude. What's it going to be? It's a 30-team dynasty league. Oh, boy. Yeah. So where are we? We are at pick. Michael Bush just went at 308. Michael Bush of the Raiders, the running back? (laughs) 
So was a good NASCAR driver. No, I remember him. He's sweet. <laughs> he's a prospect of the Dodgers. But oh, I was wow. This uh, Matthew Liberator. Or Liberator. Oh, yeah. Liberator. Liber- yeah. yeah. Traded by the uh, Rays in the deal for Randy Rosarina. Exactly. So what I like is he's in the Cardinals system who know how to develop pitchers as good as anybody. Uh, big lefty. He's been comped to Kershaw. Or... I take the Cleveland Indians pitcher, Daniel Espino. What will it be? Who's a right? What are you feeling? What are you thinking? Liberator is a lot closer to the show. Yeah, are you you building for the future? Do you think you're going to compete this year right now? I mean, this is a new draft, or is it a redraft, or what's going on here? So, I mean, a first-year player draft, or is it a... Yeah, this is the startup. Um, Oh, okay. And we're in round 12. Of the yeah, I'd go with uh, I'd go with Liberator, just because he's still a prospect, but he's close, um, and right. that's kind of, that's kind of the range I'm I'm hitting at. So my rotation right now is Kevin Gossman, who's not a prospect, but I really like Kevin Gossman. Uh, I was happy to get him. He, you're not alone. He's like the Bogarts of pitching, so underrated. <laughs> whoa, 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 I'm not going whoa, that whoa, dude. I'm not going that that is. Yeah, I think he's rated just fine. He's had plenty of chances to be a great pitcher, and he's always shit the bed, man. Can't even argue that. But you're still hopeful. That's why he's been traded around. Right, that's why he's been flat out cut. He had a bad outing with the Braves, and they just cut his ass, and he's just been bouncing around for years. Now, the Orioles gave him every opportunity to be the pitcher they thought he could be. Now, Camden Yards, not the greatest place to pitch, I'll admit that. but Or the AL East. Yeah, it's a matter of consistency with him. Sure, we saw him at a 2020 sample size. Great. It's a nice park to pitch in, I'll say that. Pitching yeah. out there is nice. So you've but been to Camden a lot fine. since you lived in Maryland? I did, yeah. Yeah, I went to uh, a few games, and I was always around the park where I was an Uber driver. I feel like I know that place very, very well. I saw Mike Clevenger throw a shutout there in like two uh, hour and like 53 minutes. It was so wow. quick, dude. It was the quickest game ever. It was a two, nothing victory for Cleveland over Baltimore. It was April. So it wasn't like the prime yeah. time of the year where I saw the tigers and the Orioles play in the heat of summer in August. And then I saw Chris Davis crush this home run <laughs> when Chris Davis could still crush home runs with authority. We yeah. sat right behind like home plate, not right behind, but like 12 to 15 rows, somewhat kitty corner behind a home plate. So you could see him swing and you could directly see the view of the ball traveling to right field way out of there. It was so cool. You knew it was gone the second he hit it. Yeah. I, you know, when you're behind the plate and you're that close, you really get a feel for how a a hitter knows that when they've made contact, that it's going to go, they Mm -hmm. know it for sure. It's like, Oh yeah, that's gone. Yeah, for sure. Baseball view of TV. You're like, you have no, you're like, Oh, that might, you know, you just don't get that same effect and the announcers always mess it up too so they think that there's a home run and they get you excited and then it's an infield fly <laughs> uh, there's a long drive that's a pop fly <laughs> exactly <laughs> have you ever gone to an orioles game with alex fast i have not i had no idea who alex fast was when i lived in maryland at the time oh, okay now i know how cool he is but at the time i I didn't know most of the people that I know in the community today, like yourself, Stelly. Yeah. Well, it's a pleasure to know you, bro. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, it's a pleasure being here, man. Thanks for having me on. You know, I lived there in 20, 
late 2017, all of 18 and 19 before I left. So that was my time frame in the beautiful state of Maryland. Did you watch The Wire? I watched The Wire in Detroit back in 2007 on DVD. And, and then you uh, moved there? <laughs> yeah, and then I moved there. I didn't move there I got to experience the this. Let's go. Yeah. Like, dude, I want to know what it's like to be part of the journalism scene. And no, I I found uh, Baltimore to be just like Detroit, really. And yeah. not not because of any TV show, just because of my own experiences. Mm-hmm. They're sister cities. They're so damn similar in so many ways that we don't need to go into this podcast right now. But right. whether it's corruption or just, you know, opportunity and really great people for cities that get a lot of shit. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of similarities between Motown and Charm City. Yeah, this is a working town. Yep. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious if I tell you my first five picks, if you can give me a grade of one to ten. Let's do it. All right. Shane Bieber, Cody Bellinger, Brandon Woodruff, Raphael Devers, and George Springer. That was my start. Mm. Okay. So you took Cody. Yes. Not worried about the shoulder. It's a hot topic today, isn't it? Oh, uh, yeah. I, I saw David <laughs> Roberts' comments about he's swinging with one arm for now. And yeah, I don't like that. I do not. Well, like I mean, it's progress. He's taking his time, and they're not going to rush him either because they just won a World Series, and they're going to compete for another, so they don't want Bellinger to be rushed in any way, which, mm-hmm. yeah, that might be a negative for fantasy if he doesn't necessarily start the season on time. He don't get as many plate appearances. And they're looking at Garrett Cooper. <laughs> Did you hear that? <laughs> I would love I, no, I didn't hear that. I would love Garrett Cooper to go to the Dodgers. That would make my day. That would yeah. really help out a NFBC team I have that's not a 50, but it's a draft champions team. Yeah, oh, man. Some of those benches get interesting, don't they? Yes, they do. And right what is now, your with for that, for the bench? Yeah. Like, how do you, on like draft and holds? Yeah. Look. You start out with like, okay, I need to make sure I have a minimum of coverage in all my positions. And catcher, I just don't put a lot of stock in it. You don't need to have eight catchers. I just think catcher is a place where nobody nobody could take huge advantage of you unless they have the catcher that ends up being like a stud. Like if Will Smith ends up hitting 30 home runs and bats 290, that's a huge advantage. And you can't really compete with that with another catcher. So you're just going to lose there. So accept that and don't overload your roster with a bunch of catchers who might not do anything. I'd rather take opportunities where there's other positions like closers later in the draft. I like to have a lot of relief pitchers because saves are Mm -hmm. everywhere. Mm -hmm. They're all over the place, man. And it's one of my strategies too. Yeah. I I think it's actually pretty common. You know, I look at what I did with my NFBC 50 Mm -hmm. that we've been talking about. And once we got past that, um, the Rushman pick that we talked about earlier in round 31. I took uh, Michael Chavis. That's a guy who could play a lot of, you know him. He's yeah, your course. buddy from, yeah. from Boston. Chief Chavis, man. Chief Chavis. I didn't know that's what they call yeah. him, but now I will use that forever. They call but him he has, Georgia. <laughs> oh, well, he has multiple position eligibility, which makes me right. happy. First and second, uh, right? And outfield. Okay, yeah. At least I on NFPC. So on, th- so at the thirty-second round, that's a guy with a lot of eligibility and flexibility that I can plug and play in a lot of different spots. And I target guys like that when we're getting into, you know, it's 
NFBC 50, NFBC 50, five, zero, 50 rounds, 50 guys, do or die, gung-ho, gung-ho. And Chavis is a guy that's going to help me out later in the 32nd round. And then I take closer, Daniel Hudson. I thought it would be better at the time. It was before the Nats signed Brad Hand. But I still like Daniel Hudson in Washington. Uh, Shogo Akiyama, who I believe will be a starter in Cincinnati. And I can also rely on him to fill a hole in the 34th round. Evan White in the 35th round, first baseman who can crush the ball and is an up-and-comer, known more for his glove in terms of prospect circles, but I think he's also a very solid hitter who's going to show you a lot more. Forget what you saw in 2020. He had to learn the hard way. So, yeah, And he's got some speed. Yes, exactly. The Mariners run as much as any team does, and I'm also targeting that. So if you look at these picks, I'm trying to fill the, the gaps and the holes that came about because of how the draft played out. This is also, you could have a strategy going into your draft, but you have to be ready to adjust, modify, and rearrange the pieces, not just of the players, but of the stats that you're going to be able to fill. And once I was around round 30, like I said, I looked at my team and I said, boy, I've got a lot of pitchers, mostly starters, and I need to get myself more relief pitching and then fill the guys with positional eligibility. Another guy took David Bodie of the Cubs in round 38. Love Bodie. Yep. First base, uh, he plays second base, third base, first base, I believe. So again, a guy that has more flexibility for me if there's injuries. And after that, it's just a continuation of that type of routine. And then I feel, I feel confident enough. I don't love this team. I think it's a solid team, um, but we'll see how it plays out, man. I know that my strategy was to try to cover all the stat categories and give myself positional flexibility and reinforcements. Those are the big three things I'm trying to do. Yeah, it's so huge when you can't make any pickups. Right, and I yeah. I respect it in a sense, and then in another sense, I do like the fact that there's leagues with pickups and fab, mm-hmm. and leagues are not one in the draft, but rather with the intuitiveness and yeah. the insightfulness to make pickups and spend your money properly. Those are as that's a whole nother skill entirely beyond drafting. And I, I find that to be just as legit and I respect both ways. Yep. hundred percent. And when you land a, a good fab bid, I don't know if, cause you spend hours <laughs> on this stuff, bro. I don't know about you, but like I'm in so many leagues on Sunday nights. It's just like fab, 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 fab. And then throughout the week, what I do basically, I know this league isn't fab, but it's just a little tip that I do. Throughout the week, I look at who I'm going to be picking up on the weekend and just put them on my thing for a dollar, just right off the bat. Then on Sunday, I've cut out the whole list and I only have to worry about the guys that I've put aside. And then I can shuffle, okay, I need to put 10 on this guy, 10 on this guy, 5 here, 1 here, or 0 here. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like last year, I won a who would who did I win for a zero in Bubba's league? Actually, I got Rafael Montero before he came back. Zero. Wow. Jor- Jordan Romano. Zero. Nice. So I mean, I paid. Makes up. you feel good. Yeah, but at the same time, I paid like 150 bucks for Anthony Bass for one save. <laughs> so, <laughs> and after I got Romano, he got hurt, and Dolis took over. Like this, this is what you deal with with Fab. I mean, it's such a battle. So, like you say, if, if you come out on top, standing oh, like well done. 
No doubt about it, man. You know what you speak of, my good man. <laughs> I try, man. I know you do. I know like, you do. Listen, uh, I just love fantasy so much that why spend all this time on it not to win? I, I don't get that part. Like, so for dynasty startups, like I was saying to you when we just made this pick, I want prospects, but I don't want to wait four years, bro. Who knows if this league's even still in existence in four years? Yeah, I don't know if you, you want to play know. that game in Dynasty. Win no. now. Get it done. My max that I look for is three years. I won't wait longer than three years because, mind you, there's 60 rounds, so some guys I'm going to have to. Um, but then again, I have targets like Joey Wentz of the Tigers, who, when he comes back from Tommy John, is going to be a stud. So I draft him really late, just stash him for a year because I'm not going to be starting these guys anyways. There's only 18 MLB spots, bro. And when you have 60 roster spots for 18 MLB spots, figuring out where to put who and all this, like, I don't know. I just want to have everything closest to the top instead of closest to the bottom. And I think a lot of that can translate into these 50s too. You want to have the highest impact guys off your bench. You don't want to have, no offense, but Chance Sisko, I'd rather have Adley Rutschman on my bench, which you do have as well. Or starting, you're going to be starting one of them. The other one's going to be on your bench. But you know what I'm trying to say here. The higher the upside, the better you are if one of your main players gets hurt. So stash upside no matter what league you're in. Don't stash that upside all day long. You know, think about taking two catchers like high up. Like if you took JT Real Muto and Mm -hmm. Sal Perez, you know, if one of them gets hurt, it's such a bummer. And catcher is a position where injuries can happen a little bit more. Subject to a higher frequency of injuries than other positions. And that does bum me out a bit. But I know guys who are really smart, like bat flip crazy, Toby. You know, he loves taking real Muto in round three-ish, round four-ish, and it doesn't look back. So, you know. I, I think I have one share of real Muto, um, but I, I can't do it. When you're looking at the stats, just the stats, it just doesn't line up for me at that spot. But yeah. at the same time, like, these guys know what they're doing, so he's got the advantage there. Um, in a basketball term, it's like, having a guy like Nikolo Nikolo Jokic uh, as your center, who's really a point guard and he's also a forward and he's also like, you know, (laughs) any advantage like that, that you can get out of position advantage is huge. Sure. Um, No doubt. That's why I like Varsho at catcher. If now I'm kind of nervous after what you told me about him possibly in the minor leagues. Don't listen to me, man. Right. Is loose. (laughs) I don't know shit. Don't listen to me. I mean, these are just rumors and hearsay. We haven't even had spring training start yet. There's so much that's going to change over the next six weeks or so. I say just strap in, do the best with what the true data tells you as opposed to any type of rumor or secondary hearsay that comes across your Twitter timeline or from a text. Mm -hmm. Trust what you believe in. Trust your gut. If you've done your work and you feel confident in what you're doing, if you get screwed, then... You can at least stop yourself after the fact and say, you know what? I did it how I wanted to do it. And if bad luck came my way, then Mm -hmm. that's just something I can't control. 100%, man. And be creative. They always say, if all you're going to do is just pick off ADP, why are you even at the draft? Just (laughs) auto-pick. What's the difference? Yeah. But for me, 
I mean, for years and years, before I was even an analyst, when I used to just help my buddies out and shit, I would always say ADP is the thing that is going to cripple you the most because it messes with your mind because you think you're either getting a deal if someone falls to you, which most of the reason they fall to you is because nobody else wants them. And in your mind, you're like, oh, I got to take this guy. And in a home league, you're thinking, oh, I'm just going to flip him and get his real value. Well, no, everyone already passed <laughs> on him. And in a draft and hold, especially in NFBC, you're dealing with sharks. These guys yes. aren't like they're passing on him for a reason. And then you really have to think. And normally you get like four hours. I don't do you do the four hour or the two hour clock? Uh, two hour. OK, so I'm in the four hour just because I'm in so many drafts. So I if I get to that spot where I'm like, why is this guy falling? I need to figure this out. Just take five minutes, man. Go look him up. The worst thing you can do is just go on a whim. Oh, I'm just going to take him anyways. Uh, no, don't do that. Just take the five minutes because you have four hours or two hours in your case or whatever the, the time frame <laughs> may be. If it's a minute clock, whatever, just do it. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you have time, use it. That's the whole point of it. Um, don't just do it. you're smart, dude. Yeah. Just Thank you. Again, <laughs> don't just do the ADP because the experts or whoever that may be, put them there because that may not be your team mold. Um, a guy to me may be more valuable in a certain spot than a different guy because of how my team is built. Um, the re- I, I've jumped up on Castellanos in a few leagues. Personally, I think with no DH, we could see him picking up first base eligibility as the season goes on or possibly even third. He used to play there. He wasn't that good. You never know, man. These guys, MLB teams are going to have to get creative, too. So we're going to see guys playing out of position, I think. You said starters are going to be in roles they're not really used to. I think that that's going to happen with hitters, too. Um, and there's a surplus of kids that are waiting for at-bats that are going to need to play. Uh, they had last year off. So you're going to see a lot of veterans losing jobs to kids, um, which, I mean... That's the way the sport is going anyways. We just may see it faster this year than in years past. So in my bench, I want kids, man. Give me those upside kids. So I got Alex Kirloff. <laughs> I got you Alex want the turn. You want turn is There's a term we use on my show on the, hey, it's a Regal Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Palazzo Podcast on Twitter. Two L's, two Z's, <laughs> where we call them turn into guy. You want to have so many turn into guys, don't you? You just want to. Alice Kurlev's going to turn into Nelson Cruz or uh, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> throw you saw, throw a name in there. The point is, that's what you do with these stash of the potential and stashing these highly talented prospects, studs of the future. Turn into guy. We're all waiting for it. We're all hoping we got the guy who's going to turn into Ronald Acuna, Juan yeah. Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr. My my comp for Kirloff is actually a young Jay Bruce with less pop. <laughs> oh, okay, that is very reasonable and normal. He may have a better average, but less pop. But I I see a lot of similarities in their build. Uh, Jay Bruce was a lot stronger than Kirloff, but I think that's where his career could get to that point. Um, okay. Early on, he's gonna steal more than Bruce, obviously. But yeah, yeah. I love the twins. He's in a loaded lineup. Although I wouldn't be surprised, Bruce could steal a few bags back then. So I think there yeah, might no, not be that much saying. of a difference. Yeah. But uh, Bruce, man, oh, that's what they call country power. <laughs> <laughs> I always, been? I always wanted him at Fenway. 
I always like he was just one of the guys I always wanted on the Red Sox, and it never happened. I thought his swing was built for that park. Yeah, you know, he wasn't at a meeting exactly, but he <laughs> ended up being a guy who didn't become what I I thought he was going to be a really special player. But I mean, he's a solid major leaguer. You know, it's a solid career, three hundred homer career, and uh, you know, okay average. OBP should have been much better, in my opinion. That was my big. My big letdown is that he didn't walk more and didn't have a better eye. But, you know, yeah. that's how these things go. You think, because when he came up, I remember I have a friend of mine who's a huge Reds fan, and I lived in Cincinnati once upon a time. Mm-hmm. And Jay Bruce, Jay Bruce. It was Jay Bruce and Joey Votto were kind of coming up somewhat simultaneously. And Sean Casey. <laughs> Sean Casey, sure. Man, yeah. Sean Casey. Great Tigers run in 06. But the Bruce was supposed to be this dude. The mayor. That's right. The mayor. <laughs> It didn't work out for Jay Bruce the way I wanted it to, but I'm not trying to, you know, no disrespect, Mr. Bruce. If you're hearing this, I respect your career. And I just thought you were going to be the king of kings. And, you know, injuries happen and things don't always work out the way you hope that they will. Trust me, I've lived my own life, Jay Bruce. I know things don't always go my way. No, that's ain't that a fact, bro. I won a national championship when I was like 12 years old in hockey. And then like two years later, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> I fell in love with baseball in that time. So it was like, I, I don't know. I just liked baseball better. And hockey, when you're growing up as a Canadian, like I am, it was everything. I had like 7 a.m. practices before school, uh, tournaments every weekend, two nights a week. We had other practice and a game. It never ended, bro. By the time I got to that age, I'm in high school. It was like, you know what? I'm done. But I just played, I still played, just not competitively anymore. I just played, uh, like, intramurals in college, stuff like that. Um, Beer league, yeah. But baseball. Beer league. The best, man. (laughs) (laughs) Good for Uh, you, man. Hey, you know, you just become who you are, and you settle in, and you enjoy your life. Live it while you can. That's right. Like we we were talking about earlier, uh, live every day to the fullest, and whatever happens, happens. Just roll with it. Agreed. No doubt about um, it, my friend. Michael, was there any picks that you, after you took it, you're like, why did I do that? Any picks you don't like? Uh, yes, it does happen. I mean, some it does happen sometimes. People don't want to admit it mm-hmm. because, you know, everyone's trying to show how intelligent they are and how they had the foresight to draft so-and-so, but. I didn't. I didn't love my Corbin Burns pick in round five. Yeah, what did you like? I loved him last year. Where I got him last year and what he did for me—that's mm-hmm. what I want in 2021. I don't want to take him at the value I took him now. It's too high for me. And I, I asked myself, like, there. why did I do this? Yeah, why did I do that? I took him and Strasburg back to back, and uh, I actually don't mind the Strasburg pick. I think he's going to be fine. And everybody's panicking about a guy who can give you a lot of strikeouts on a team that I think is going to be very good still. So I was actually more concerned about the Burns pick because I just don't know what we can expect from him. Strasburg has the pedigree. So Strasburg in the sixth. What a world. That's the world we live (laughs) in, baby. I took I took Burns, Strasburg, uh, Kettle Marte, and then uh, Framber Valdez around. I like Valdez. That's a good pick. I like Jose Urquidy, too, on Houston. He's, yeah, a good value. He's a great value this year. I like uh, I like Valdez and Urquidy much more than Christian Javier. Yeah. I have, what do you think of McCullers? He's, 
It's a hell of a curveball. <laughs> Lo- love that curveball, man. Yeah. I could watch that curveball all day, but of course, just can't stay healthy and too much uncertainty and risk for me in that profile when I could go elsewhere and right. I'd just rather avoid it. And maybe he'll have a career year. I mean, he's had some incredible K9 numbers as a starter, which are very tantalizing, but like I said, it's a mystery to me. He threw one fastball last year. Um, I like my starters to have a fastball of some sort. It doesn't, you don't have to throw it as your main pitch, whatever. I just need a pitch to keep guys honest because short sample last year, who knows what that second half is going to look like after guys realize he's not throwing fastball. You know what I mean? They're going to adjust. That's what baseball does, especially coming into this season. Now that we have factual proof, they're getting video back on the bench. That's right. This This could be trouble for a lot of pitchers too. This is trouble. Yep. Play the sound bite. <laughs> Actually, I got to tell you, you kind of just made me think. Maybe I'm going to dig deeper into McCullers. This is another note I'm making from this show, and I'm going to okay. take a further look. Like I said earlier, I, I got to take a look at Willie Castro and the Tigers, see what's going on there, and I got to take another look at McCullers because he has a career ERA of 3.70 with a FIP of 3.29. That is outstanding. It's incredible. And I know injuries are assumed, but if he's healthy, I I may have reconsidered that. So he's going at a decent some. price, right? He's like what yeah. going around one twenty. Yeah, an NFC? yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, I wish he was going a little later. I feel like it's still a little bit inflated, mm-hmm. but I know why because what I just yeah, said, no. the potential there, what he can provide on a team that is a good team gives people the opportunity to say, hey, we got to bump this dude up, man. Yeah. Let's go for it. 122.80p since January 25th on NFBC. With the 80, 86 yeah. and a minimum of 86. Somebody took Ooh. him at 86 overall. So. I hope it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. It wasn't me. Um, so the, the maximum is 161, by the way. I, that's a good that price. would be more intriguing. If he right. was going in the 150s to 170s, I'd be more interested. I've been all over Pablo Lopez. He's another guy I took in both of these drafts. Um, they're going. He's going right around the same price as McCullers. Oh yeah. Um, I'm in Pablo Lopez's boat over over Lance. Um, I just yeah. think we're about to see. I don't know. I'm excited about Pablo though. Man. SB Streamers. Uh, Michael Simeone's a huge fan of his. Yeah, he's there all day with you. He would love to talk to you about Pablo Lopez. No doubt. He's coming on eventually, man. He, him and Doug agreed to come on. Um, hey, yeah, Doug on the show last night. Check it out. Just released the episode with Doug Ishikawa on the Hey, it's a Rico Palazzo Fantasy Baseball Podcast. You're built for radio, man. Well, you know, sometimes I talk and it sounds like something that fits in the profile. Michael Govier is my spirit animal. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, this has been a lot of fun, man. We've talked about yeah, so much sure. baseball, dude. This is this is why we do it, man. I I would love to uh, bring you back on my show at some point and get oh, you guys to talk some turkey. I'd like to get both of you guys to come on and you could shoot the shit with me and Deary on the Palazzo pod. That would be amazing, man. I'm in. <laughs> well, Michael would we're be make it happen. I know he would. <laughs> oh, I know. I know he would. He's a good American. That's right. Not that you're not. You would be a good American if you were an American. So. Scouts on her. I would. I promise. <laughs> I know. I believe it. I believe in you, Stully. I'll bring my manners with me from Canada over to you guys, too. 
<laughs> or should I say over to y'all? Over to y'all. <laughs> yeah, y'all come back now. <laughs> That's right. Okay, Michael, I really appreciate you coming on, bro. Uh, this has been a blast. Um, honestly, I can't thank you enough. Anytime, my good man. Appreciate you having me aboard. Check out the Palazzo Podcast on Twitter, uh, Facebook. We got a Facebook page, too. Palazzo Podcast is always our handle, even on Instagram. We don't use it very much, but we are there. Two L's, two Z's, Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com if you want to send us an email. If you heard something today that you liked on this show, you can send me an email over there. Or just DM me on Twitter at MJGovier as well. Don't forget RotoFanatic.com. We're part of the RotoFanatic family of podcasts which also includes Matt Williams of the Turn 2 Pod. We got our rankings out. They're available. You can check them out, and you can also break them down and compare them. There's an average for players between all the different analysts. And we got a new series called High Low that keeps running on each individual position. We got the high man and the low man debating it. And then our data monster, which is our big statistical tool on rotofanatic.com, tells you what the outliers are and makes sense of the whole thing for you. So we got a lot of stuff. That if you are fired up and it's fantasy baseball season and you want knowledge galore and wisdom to the max, <laughs> rotofanatic.com's got you covered. Plaza Podcast got you covered. I serve at your pleasure. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. And you can check our podcast out at One Fantasy Insider on Twitter. And again, Michael, good luck to you in your NFBC 50s. We're not in the same league, so we can both win. How about that? Yeah, man, we got to do a draft or something together too. Uh, down, you know, I'm so down. Yeah, I want to like get a Palazzo thing going, like a, some type of draft too. So maybe uh, we'll work together. Maybe we could do like a tag team between both of our pods and get like a bunch of listeners involved. And sweet. Uh, oh, we'll talk more about that. I think that's a good idea. But yes, make sure I mean, you guys love this podcast. Follow it. These guys know what they're doing. They put a lot of work in, and they're also very chill. Laid back guys. Stoli and Micah are people that you want to get behind and support. And that's why you should take your time to follow the Fantasy Insiders on Twitter. Follow them on all standard podcast platforms. Spotify, right. Apple Podcasts, yada, yada, yada. They're available everywhere that you need them. Take the time. The Fantasy Insiders, they go in deep. So deep. <laughs> so deep. Right, bro. That you don't have to do a damn thing. They just serve it up to you on a silver platter, baby. That's what you get when you tune in to that's the Fantasy right. Insiders. And that's a wrap. He deserved to die. Don't get me wrong. Like <laughs> that part. They nailed it. That guy deserved to die. That sounds so bad. <laughs> it does, yeah. But hey, roll it. Screw it. I already hit record, man. I got to edit that part out. <laughs> hey, we're underway, John. Let's do this.